Welcome to another episode of Breaking the Barrier podcast. I am your host, Arya Sternberg. For those of you new to the format, we are using the Kudo platform to go beyond the barriers of language, interviewing a wide range of people about their experiences and the role language has played, influencing where they are today. Kudo is a multilingual conferencing platform, allows us to converse among multiple languages in real time simultaneously connecting across borders beyond language restrictions, connecting with anyone anywhere in any language. Today, our guest Katerina will be speaking in her native Ukrainian, while I'll continue speaking in my native English. We'll be supported by Oksana Snitko, our Ukrainian interpreter, and our own team of interpreters helping us to publish this podcast in five languages. Now let's meet our esteemed guest. Truly an honor, this week's guest needs little introduction. She is been the voice of President Vladimir Zelensky of Ukraine, providing interpretation for him in these tumultuous times. She has been studying interpretation since her childhood when she discovered, discovered her dream of being an interpreter. Much more has happened since that time, but we're going to hear more about that directly from her, her life, and what she's experiencing today. Welcome to Breaking the Barrier, Katarina. It is truly an, an honor. How are you doing today? Thank you for the invitation. I am uh, happy to join this wonderful community of interpreters. So, so uh, I understood that five interpreters are waiting for Oksana's relay. Is that right? Or are they going to interpret me from Ukrainian into other languages? Uh, today I am in my office. Uh, actually, I should have had uh, a holiday because in Berlin we have a holiday today. Today is International Women's Day, so um, well, it should be a holiday. Uh, at least we are celebrating it today, and that's another uh, reason to uh, just be really happy to have you on our show. Um, I I'm going to jump into the first question, uh, and this is really about you know interpretation. Um, as a professional interpreter, you belong to a global community of professionals who are respected for your expertise and experience. I'd like to hear about the kinds of barriers that you've come up against in your journey to get to this level. And as today is International Women's Day, can you talk about any challenges that you faced with regard to you know, gender inequality and anything you've had to break through them if there were any, uh, and just the challenges in general? challenges which I had overcome, had to overcome. As for the language barriers, my career is related to languages and politics because politics is one of my specialties. For instance, in before 2014, I used to interpret mostly uh, from uh, Russian and very little from Ukrainian. And I used to work a lot with Russian clients. Back in 2014, I stopped uh, working with Russian clients. And uh, of course, in, uh, initially, I had uh, a kind of financial crisis. Fortunately, uh, the 
Ukrainian politics became open and oriented towards collaboration with European partners. So soon I was able to shift to Ukrainian clients working in the area of culture and arts. And that was an interesting time for me, because for me language is not just a way to communicate, it is my life and it was a difficult turning point for me related to change of language. As uh, for challenges related to being a woman, uh, you, you know, I started interpreting being very young and you know and uh, of course if you are doing simultaneous interpreting it doesn't matter you are sitting in the booth and nobody could see you are a man or a woman and but also i was doing consecutive interpreting and uh, uh, you have a close contact, not only for hours, but for days, not only during the official negotiations, but uh, dinners and uh, informal communication. And uh, I had to set some barriers, some uh, uh, boundaries, uh, so that the clients do, do not uh, trespass them, but clients, especially Russian clients, uh, still tried to uh, go over the limits I set and that was the challenge and so I developed a kind of style like using uh, uh, suits with trousers. I have a PhD and uh, I had this business card where PhD, my PhD is written and so uh, coming to negotiations I was just giving this business card and wearing this uh, suit to set boundaries immediately. So um, there was this issue. Well, now maybe somebody would say that men uh, become victims of this uh, women's movement, but I think um, that this women's movement is so strong because women didn't have rights, but then somehow the situation will become more balanced and we will learn to coexist on the business level so that uh, both sides feel okay. It's a very smart way to, to, uh, to, to traverse that challenging face and uh, having spent a lot of time you know, in Asia where the, the boundaries of what is acceptable uh, and not acceptable in, you know, between you know, very male-dominated uh, areas in some cases you know, the, you do, there are tactics that have to be found. Um, I, I did have a look at, you know, your, your, your background, and I love the fact that you have so much uh, touch with the arts uh, and creativity. Uh, sometimes it's hard to get outside of, uh, you know, a wall that we get into. And, and with the politics, you know, I, I can imagine that there are some interpreters who just really uh, have a hard time escaping that. And, and I love that you're able to do that. Which makes the second question, um, I think, that much more, you know, appropriate, and and that has to do with you know the, the 
last few weeks and what's been happening. Um, you know, everyone is discussing uh, your public show of emotion when you were interpreting uh, for President Zelensky. And fr from my experience that I've learned, the, the, the world of interpretation requires extreme attention to remaining unbiased. Um, however, in this situation, your emotions came through and, and you may have expected criticism from the world, but, but the world showed empathy. And, and, you know, kind of celebrated and said, this is important. And to put you in the public sphere, I, I, I'd love to hear about the challenges that you face, you know, when trying to remain unbiased in such heated and heavy areas of focus that, you know, come along with political interpretation, especially in times like this. Yes, that's, that was a hard moment for me. It was hard because then I was interpreting live the news channel. And you know, when you prepare for uh, interpretation, uh, you have to uh, watch all the news uh, carefully. Uh, and uh, at that time, horrible bombing uh, happened. And then the comment on the news was that uh, Kiev is still not under control of Russians. When it's going to happen that Kiev will fall? And they have repeated it kind of uh, seven times. And then uh, all the uh, news feed followed uh, and the news from my family and friends. And also nobody knew what to do in a situation like that. Uh, at that time, I didn't eat anything. I didn't sleep. Yesterday, I have eaten for the first time probably. Uh, so at that time, I'm human, so I wasn't quite, I was quite stressed. And but I also have to say on the same day, I was interpreting Putin for the news channel. Uh, so you hear all that when you're sitting in the booth. But uh, in this, uh, so this is normal that you create a kind of, that you distance yourself from uh, what you hear. But in this new situation, I needed more resources uh, uh, to do this. Uh, I have already learned to do it, but this was a kind of a new challenge for me. It is also hard to interpret uh, some absurd uh, things. It's easier if you are in a booth, but it's much harder to do it in a consecutive mode when you say, I believe that uh, we have to uh, uh, drive and to exile everybody, or if uh, there are some sexist jokes about women, and I have to say them, and I am a woman. For instance, yesterday I, I was uh, uh, interpreting the declaration of the Russian delegation about the negotiations, and my eyes were just getting larger and larger because it sounds so absurd because still you hear what you say and you have to repeat this, uh, this nonsense. I, I'm, I'm imagining, you know, as you're interpreting it was going, you know, through your head, already the, 
the amount of mental um, just participation required to do simultaneous inter interpreting or consecutive for that matter while you are taking in and storing the information and then having to interpret it and, and bring it out and, and having to at the same time have this part of yourself that's kind of listening to this and saying are you, are you kidding like having lived and and worked with interpreters in different parts of, of history. Um, there, there was a time when I was presenting a project in Vietnam and being very factual and, and very straightforward. And then a number of provinces after us presented their projects. And I, you know, I had done my research into the facts and I was listening to the interpretation that my colleague was giving me and I couldn't believe it. And I, I, I wanted to stand up and you know, throw my chair into the room and just say, how could you possibly be saying this? That is complete, you know, BS. And I was like, you know, no. But um, in any case, uh, th thank you for sharing that. And uh, gosh, that's that's a side of interpretation that I'm. I, I know my listeners have never thought of, and I will now take into consideration. As you can see, there's a slight change in my background. Had a bit of a power outage. Uh, we were having heavy floods and crazy rain in Sydney, but uh, that that doesn't stop the show, and the show must go on. So we shall continue. And uh, the last question uh, I wanted to uh, pick up on is uh, just looking at the you know where you think the profession of interpretation is headed. Um, Mar Margaret Atwood once famously noted that war is what happens when language fails. And I'd love to hear, you know, some perspectives about where you see the profession going in terms of, you know, mediating conflict, the role of interpreters, you know, as the world continues to shift and whether it's a physical conflict or other wars like the war on climate. Obviously, the role of interpreters today is key. There is a book written by one Soviet interpreter. I think he was called uh, Dinsburg. I was given this book by my dentist when I was at school because he knew I wanted to become an interpreter. So that interpreter was used to interpret political negotiations and he was writing about some things he was choosing not to interpret because he was aware that if this phrase uh, uh, comes across, uh, uh, then uh, it would be completely opposite to what uh, the other side meant. So uh, in that book, the interpreter was writing about uh, your responsibility, that you have the choice to stop a conflict or start the conflict. So on one hand, interpreter is supposed to interpret everything word by word, everything he hears. But on the other hand, interpreter interprets not the word, words, but the uh, meaning. For instance, if uh, I hear some kind uh, of uh, joke which is completely acceptable in Russia, if I interpret it uh, literally, the uh, German uh, 
delegation would just stand up and go away because the meaning would be completely different and this is your responsibility and you have to decide on spot you don't have time to consult your colleagues as for the future of our profession i don't have any illusions uh, honestly speaking i don't think our profession will uh, sur survive uh, the thing is that now so many people are able to speak uh, english well especially the decision makers on political level this is one aspect and uh, the second aspect is uh, the technical progress i'm quite shocked about the advances google translate made in the uh, last uh, five uh, years even translating into ukrainian and polish um, is done uh, quite good you can read and understand it just five years ago it was just a joke and uh, the, now they have this uh, uh, program for interpreting. Uh, so uh, I am a science, science fiction uh, fan, and uh, I in all the science fiction books, uh, the travelers to other planets had those little devices who were able to translate and interpret everything. And I think that's where we are moving. You, you mentioned that you know, interpreting the Russian joke into into German would have caused a, a challenge. And one of the, I, I guess, one of the reasons why I feel that interpretation is still required compared to you know machine learning and and what artificial intelligence can do is because uh, as of today, um, the, you know AI cannot yet understand and comprehend what a human is trying to say. And you know that joke. Uh, that you mentioned, if if translated word for word, could be completely offensive and knock you know, the Germans out of the room. I'm wondering if, you know, do do you interpret the meaning so that it can be accepted and enjoyed um, by the Germans, or did you keep your mouth shut? Yes, I have had uh, several occasions like that. Mostly, I try to find a similar joke, a joke on the same subject so that there is laughter, because that's uh, the, the reaction that is expected. There was also one case where a joke was made out of context. so it was difficult to substitute it with something because it was not clear what was meant and i uh, decided to just omit it because it was quite offensive but uh, then the russian client said but i made a joke why did didn't you interpret it and uh, I said, why don't you forget about your joke? And he said, no, you should interpret it. So I interpreted and then it was uh, not a uh, hate joke. It was a sexist uh, joke, but, uh, and there was complete 
the silence in the room. I was, uh, my face gone red. Everybody had their faces red. And then I said, uh, please uh, trust your interpreter. Uh, I know what I do. You've given us a lot of your time and I've, I really appreciated everything you've shared. This has been, uh, you know, such an awesome experience. And I'm, I'm glad to see you left. I, I haven't, uh, you know, you, you're still with us. So that means that at least uh, you've enjoyed being with us as well. Um, if it's okay, I'm just going to put a closing message out and then uh, we'll, we'll let you go. Um, I'd, I'd like to thank you so much for your time and your amazing story. Uh, and also I'd like to thank Sana for her incredible interpretation. I could not do this without her. Um, all the people at Kudo who have helped make Breaking the Barrier possible, uh, thank you so much. Um, this has been, you know, the reason why we do this podcast is for exactly this reason, so that we can, you know, share share truth and, and allow conversations to be had that uh, maybe may not be able to be had, you know, across languages, cultures, and those sorts of things. So uh, thank you so much for your time. And uh, hopefully we'll see you again. Thank you for the inv invitation and the, uh, an interesting conversation. And uh, thanks, Oksana, for interpretation. Before we go, we'd like to recognize one more barrier breaker. Today, it's Malala Yousafzai, often referred to mononymously as Malala. She's a Pakistani activist for female education and a Nobel Peace Prize laureate. She's the world's youngest Nobel Prize laureate and the second Pakistani to ever receive a Nobel Prize. She's known for human rights advocacy, especially the education of women and children in her native Swat Valley in Khyber, Kutumkua, Northwest Pakistan. Very challenging, her advocacy has grown into an international movement and according to former Pakistani Prime Minister Shahid Kakan Awasi, she has become the country's most prominent citizen. We're celebrating her today our guest Katrina, and everyone else who is out there fighting the good fight. Thank you so much. That's it for today. And remember, wherever you go, there you are.